A Joke by Mark Lewis And now for something with laughter. A reckoning in the hereafter. Am I meant to be here yet? He scratched his crotch and waited for the answer. God said nothing. Typical. Disaster. Canary Blue by Mark Lewis Have you ever seen a fresh pink plastered wall close up? If the plaster is good, it's a work of art, a mirror. Have you ever heard that gritty swishing sound the plasterer makes as he moves? Like massaging his belly in circles, one way then the other, smooth and slow, and faster and stronger, and then nothing. The same sound again and again, a bit quicker. The feel of a steel float in his hand like the weapon of a knight, a building site Escalibur. He stands back at that wet, silky wall and breathes. More plaster is applied expertly, quickly and perfectly, and the hours pass. Isn't that right, Reg? Reg? Reginald? Reggie, fuck off! Oh, Reggie! Reggie's workmates only tease him at a distance and anonymously and wonder over a cuppa if he's dangerous or not, because he never laughs. Reggie's in his late twenties, olive-skinned and good-looking, with deep black eyes and short, cropped hair. He's very fit. He's got a blue butterfly tattooed on his upper right arm. He usually wears jeans, trainers and a T-shirt all splattered with plaster. Fuck off! Steady, Reggie, we're only talking is all. Reg crosses a room in a half-built house, in a half-built cul-de-sac, on a half-built estate, in a half-built world that is already dying. In the corner of the room is his work bag lying on the floor. He takes out a packet of fags and lights up. He slides down the wall and sits staring into space. He repeats the word fuck quietly to himself several times before taking down a deep cloud of smoke. Just float away, he says to no one. You ask him. Now you. Fuck off. We don't have the balls, you see. But you can't be a good-looking guy in your twenties and be called Reginald and like it, right? But you can be a shit-hot plasterer. And you can spend all day, every day, one foot from a wall, any wall, and go swish-swish and do your head in, right? And you can get splattered on your own, with nobody to talk to all day, and do your head in again, right? Unless... what? Reg stubs out his cigarette and goes back to his plastering. He moves fast and efficiently. Inside a porter cabin on another part of the half-site, in a room half full of men, in mud and hard hats, making much noise, inhaling roll-ups, blowing on teas and having fucking cunting conver-fucking-sations. It's the best works canteen in this corner of the site, in this corner of the world, and Dolly's tits and spotted dick are not up for fucking discussion as to be the fucking best tits and dick in this part of the fuck-me-fucking-universe, and doesn't she just love it? Jaw, jaw, jaw. There are some scruffy and damaged trestle tables and odds and sods of chairs and remains of battered and raped lunch boxes. One of the labourers is called Dave. 
and he dominates the whole slosh of them and every cup of tea he's ever drunk by always piling in first and holding court with both hands tight. Right. You're right, Dave. Nah, mate, Reg is all right, consents Dave about their slightly distant co-worker. Never seen anybody work so fast and so perfect. Yeah, work of art. Fuck off, Dave. No, that's real art. Not like that piss stuff you read is supposed to be art. But don't butter him up. No, really. Don't even pretend you like him. Or it. Why the fuck not, asks a young and supperating other. Funny fucker. Yeah, sensitive. And I don't mean, you know, I mean touchy. And yeah, I do mean mean. As fuck. Don't know why. What, tight? No, nasty. Reg isn't surprised by the way he feels, because to him it's obvious. If you think about it, where are his horizons? That wall, one foot in front of your face for all your life until you can't lift a float anymore? So yeah, don't fucking cross him. Don't even come near him, or I tell you what. Because in the end it just gets to you, doesn't it? Must do, don't you think? Reg smashes his head into the freshly plastered wall that he's just been working on, stands back and looks serious for a moment, examining the indentation of his forehead. After a moment, Reg smiles and deftly smooths over the damaged area. Back in the corner of the cabin, Dave says slurping, but fuck it, he earns. When you're that good, you can't help it. Seen his car? Excuse me, says some other, slurping too. Yeah, right, some other says, as before. He does earn, earn. Some sad-ass giggles, ignored. When you're that good, you can't help it. Seen his car, excuse me. Yeah, right, is that a joke? Says another Alec in the other corner, smiling, repeating his cheese and onion lunch. In a local pub on the other side of town, not near the half-built part, and after dark when the last whistle shouts, a fat landlord polishes a glass with spit and dirty fingers. Down the end of the big bar on a bit of a platform, a bright white light fills a space. Dust particles float on the hot air and mingle with drifts of swirling blue smoke. A woman's hand suddenly shoots upwards into the light and holds its position. The hand and fingers are stretched out tight, reaching skyward. The fingernails are long and deep red, the eyes are piercing blue, and the music to Peggy Lee's fever hits the system. Her fingers start to click, and the lady hits her first note. Never know how much I love you, never know how much I care. And the fat landlord, to nobody in particular, or maybe the stranger in the corner, says, Georgina is the end. No, really. And she is the beginning. She comes down here to this crap pub every Friday and Saturday night and sings her heart out. And God, she sings. And we don't know who the fuck she really is. We don't know where she comes from. We don't know where she goes back to, but that's the deal. No questions. And she goes on all night for nothing. And fuck me, sorry, mate, I'm no expert, but fuck me, we're talking Hollywood, Las Vegas, and top ten Brit Awards for the rest of our lives. Fuck me, yes, I am an expert, so fuck you. She just walked in one night and got up in the corner, and I swear to God, I fell over, and so did the rest of the pub. Now, there's not a man in here who wouldn't kill. No, I'm serious. Yeah, sure, they all want inside her knickers, but you know what? It's beyond that. What they kill for is a smile, a laugh, and yeah, just to protect her. 
I don't know if she knows it, but she's got her own private fucking army. Never mind, ain't a fucking father. They die for her any time I believe they've gone straight to heaven. Funny, isn't it, really? We don't know who the fuck she is. And he goes on polishing his glasses, and you'd think they'd wear away, but he has to keep in check. So he lines them up carefully, one by one, and fever keeps him going. In his half-finished room, Reg hears a sound of crunching gears on a car that missed, so he breaks for the window with another fag, because the wall will always be there like all the other walls. And outside there are no surprises, with muck and desolation all around and building crap in piles, and the rain still coming, and a brand new Range Rover just arrived. A man and a woman get out of the car carrying some papers. They are wearing hard hats, green wellies and barbers and they are not enjoying the weather. So the man reaches back into the car and pulls out a golfing umbrella, opens it and holds it over the woman's head. And another man approaches them from the site, and his hard hat and yellow safety jacket match well with the wellied people, thinks Reg. Like buttercups and meadows, and get to fuck my lovelies. And Reg mutters foulness out loud through the blue smoke in his eyes. So what about building sites? Don't come here in your green fucking wellies and your fucking green max and expect respect. That takes blood, sweat, tears, terraces, meat fucking pies. Nah, just winding you up, mate. We've all been abroad, and you know what? I bet I can make a more authentic paella than you can. What, you can't cook? Well, fuck you, tosser. A good mixer is worth his weight. I pay my man the money, because down here we know what it's worth. And you do a day's work for a day's pay, or you go, fuck you and I swish my way onwards day after day until I could kill. So you know what I do not to kill you? On a Friday and Saturday night, I go to this place, this pub. It's crap, but it's heaven. It's heaven because there's this lady, this creature, this... And life becomes... And swish turns into a different swish. And swish as we know it dies for a moment. And something new takes your soul. And you know what? Forget it. Reg takes one last drag from the butt of his fag, moves from the window into the middle of the room and performs a quick sequence of a martial arts carter. He does this every so often to keep loose, he says, in his mind and his body. He takes up the final pose and holds it in perfect balance. He breathes. It's that night of the week and Georgina the singer is doing what she does. First staring in the mirror for some time. No, not vanity, dickhead. Just looking inside, discovering, preparing, finding the source, diving into the eyes and swimming to the soul. Singing isn't just singing, not with Georgie. There's a process, a touching of the depths. Then the makeup and clothes. Georgina, through the reflection in the mirror, all close up and intense, applies her makeup very carefully. If we were there, we would see nothing else and drown in those blue, blue eyes. And she's untouchable. And her smiling, deep red mouth. The same white light is shining and Georgie is curved in silhouette and wearing a long, tight-fitting red dress with a low-cut back and long, tight sleeves and standing with legs slightly apart with her weight on her right leg, her right arm and hand extending upwards. 
Her left arm is crossed over her head, clutching her right elbow. She has bobbed black hair. She starts to click the fingers of her right hand as the fat barman staggers and drops the one glass onto the others and they glitter to the floor and he spits and goes, fuck it, and dribbles from the corner of his mouth. And Reg is drawn here every week, staggered by what he sees. He doesn't advertise it. They think he was a tosser, or worse, those porter-cabin gibbons. Not that that matters. If they deserve a kicking, they get a kicking. The way it is, it's just the hassle, or the jibing, the spoiling of those weekly memories. The getting away from those pink walls, that swish and swish and mix and swish and water and swish and polish until the pink mirror looks back at you and calls you a cunt. Roll on Fridays. But life sometimes just don't work how we want it, right? So one wet day, like all the others in the corner of Dolly's cabin of the big tits and dick to die for, and custard on the side... In a corner of the half-built site, a little bird tells them, through Dave, that on a Friday, Reg goes to this pub, whatever, and listens to singers. Strippers? Not even. Tosser. Yeah, like serious stuff, you know, jazz and things. And my little bird tells me that Reg is drawn there every week, staggered by what he sees, but don't like to advertise it. Wanker. And that's Dave holding forth except until his chair is swept from under him and he goes crashing to the floor. The others at the table jump up and scatter to the corners of the porter gabin. Reg is standing over Dave and looking at him carefully for a moment. Reg then carefully takes a chair and sits next to Dave and leans over his prone and undignified shape. Dave doesn't know whether to move off the floor or not, or move his position at least. Reg talks quietly and precisely. You know what, Dave? I've always believed that if they deserve a kicking, they get a kicking. The way it is. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely, agrees Dave, diplomatically. But it's got to be serious and it's got to be meant. The offence, I mean. It's just the hassle, Dave. The spoiling of those weekly memories. But you mustn't get in a rut. You know, like when you're enjoying something too much. Test it. Leave it alone. See what it feels like to be without or different. Know what I mean? Asks Reginald, his close and cosy breath all over Dave's good heart. Like getting away from those pink walls that look back at you and call you a cunt. You know, Dave, like I've told you before, privately, in confidence. Yeah, pleads good David carefully. I'm a cunt too. Roll on Fridays, thinks the cabin, and slurping covers the sound of Dave's heart and Dolly's tea comes up as Reg quietly replaces his chair and moves off back to his room alone. Dave gets off the floor slowly, and tries not to wobble in public. And Friday does come around, because when you're alive, they do. The pub is packed. Reg is sitting at the bar, staring into space. 
He has a drink in front of him, and he is smoking. The bar is agitated and horns are rising and Reg breaks it all with a question for all the throng, elbowed and tight thin. Where is she? What the hell's going on? And the landlord feels the pressure and comes with a don't blame me because I don't control her and if she doesn't show, she doesn't and fuck so be it, they say. Fuck yeah! Reg picks up his fags and lighter and turns to go and falls out of the packed and noisy pub and crosses to his Aston Martin parked outside, gets in and drives off before the place erupts. Reg pulls up in the carport of his detached house in the suburbs. In the kitchen, Reg pours himself a large whiskey. He drinks long and slow and swills out the whiskey glass and puts it down carefully on the draining board. He goes to the kitchen door, turns off the lights and goes upstairs. So Reg comes home quietly, silently, smiling, late and tired, and what? Happy? Content? Maybe a little, to his comfortable, rich, worked hard for house on the avenue, number 100, and climbs into his bed alone. On the next Friday night, from a back corner of the pub, you could just about see over and through the silhouetted heads and shoulders of punters in the jam-packed bar. There is a lot of movement. We catch glimpses as we can. And what we see is Georgina in full swing, in full makeup, in full dress, in full spotlight, in full heaven, finishing off Peggy Lee and much, much more. The whole pub erupts and she takes her applause and it's so deadly deserved. Georgina blows us a kiss and disappears behind a curtain. Somewhere in the back of the pub, Georgina wipes that red, red mouth and the pub is hushed in the background as her army expires in foul air. So Georgina comes out of the pub at the back of the dark quiet, dressed in street clothes, wearing dark glasses and carrying a large hold-all. She crosses to her Aston Martin parked outside, gets in and drives off. Georgina pulls up in the carport of her detached house in the suburbs, gets out of the car and enters the house. In the kitchen, Georgina pours herself a large whiskey. She drinks long and slow and swills out the whiskey glass and puts it down carefully on the draining board upside down. She goes to the kitchen door, turns off the kitchen lights and goes upstairs. Georgina sits at her dressing table looking into her gilt-edged mirror once more. She gently touches her bobbed hair and wipes her searing blue eyes. She takes out her contact lenses and puts them to one side. Georgina steps into her bathroom to take a shower and the water is turned on hard and hot and fast, and the sound of the shower going strongly, and after, in the half-light of security, her tattooed blue butterfly catches in the night. A canary blue, for sure, to those who know such things. So Georgina goes home, elated, exhausted, silently smiling, late, and what? Who could possibly know? to her comfortable, rich, worked-hard-for-house-on-the-avenue, number 100, and climbs into her bed alone.
Reg lies on his back in the middle of his large bed, his hands behind his head, and he stares at the ceiling and contemplates the evening and the stars that go swish-swish across the sky. On his dressing table is a gilt-edged mirror, a wig stand with a dark bobbed wig, a contact lens box with searing blue lenses glinting in the half-light of security. Dark red lipstick, false red nails, and other bits and bobs and whatever else that keeps us all alive of makeup and assorted dressing table things. And Reg looks a bit lost and very alone in the middle of his very big bed, with distinctive swish sheets. Good night, Reg and sweet, sweet dreams, till next weekend, of course. Elsewhere by Mark Lewis Elsewhere is greener. Elsewhere is summer. Elsewhere is over there. But we are all over here. Coal by Mark Lewis Wood burns, wood grows, wood floats, wood flies. But coal, older, not wiser, does more. Wood's grandfather, black, shiny, tougher, a class act in old ties and tales, smooth designer bastard of cool, a brother to jet, and a cousin of diamond, rich, chic, if you squeeze him tight, right, knuckled. The second best friend of Madeline M. Hardest. Creates lodges and peoples and brass bands and brings down governments, eventually. Builds towns of grey-flecked stone, wet. Creates memories, riots and police horses. Sells soap by the bucket and tin baths. Makes lands of deep holes like Swiss cheese. Kills families, but keeps them warm while waiting in church halls for news. Turns lungs to slop and good breath into choirs that sound like thick-necked angels. Crushes wood for millennia to create itself and holds itself up with wooden props, so eats its children by God. Coal reminds us of graft and places not to be on our knees in water. It smiles and laughs at dart matches over a pint in a club like a shed at the bottom of a lane, loud and bingo-nighted. It takes parts of the world and connects us into history. Wales, North, Scots land, Geminal, and boiler rooms crossing rough, raging seas with hairy apes and shovels and posh ladies smoking and Russian dirty snow. It lights us all and clogs the world dying to return us all one day to carboniferous forests of oblivion. It is our life-giver and destroyer. King Coal, a merry old soil, coughs our lungs out about the town. Wood is a wimp. Wood only burns and grows and floats and flies. Timaur, a photo on a wall, by Mark Lewis. A low dark house dominates the skyline. One-story whitewash, limewash, and deep slate roof. Three pine trees harassed, scrubbed clean by the wind below top branches, cutting across right side of the house. 
Steep rocks and lichens sloping away to dry stone walls and neck-high ferns. Sheep wool, flecked and crisscrossing the fronds horizontal. Sheep sheltering on the lee side of the house. The house sheltering generations, chickens, pigs, roots and hard graft. Pig sticking once a year with the slab gang, beer barreled in attendance, following the knife man butcher Jenkins, the master, in long gone days no more. The slope of the mountain since slid away, taking the outside privy and chicken coops with it. The end bedroom interior exposed. The Victorian patterned wall and small corner cast iron grate, now a piss pot for mountaineers. Green slime growing where dad and uncles were conceived and born. The firstborn thrown under the bed believed dead, while the doctor attended to the survival of the mother. One hour later the forgotten baby screaming for attention and hymns sung in chapel for thanksgiving. Three boys on a mountain top called in by three whistles from the house, separate and distinct. They come running to their mam whenever needed, gorse prickled, wimbry stained, screaming, red faced, fired with life, dares, and games of straddled wild pony races. Boxing with frozen gloves, soaked special for the show, and left to freeze overnight. All blood and snots and laughter through broken lips. Candles in jam jars on bitter dark nights, snaking over rocks to sing at the stump, a good pub. A free glass of beer for rolling the barrel from the station drop-off. An extra penny for a good song or hymn, opera or spiritual all clapped favourites in Welsh or English. Illiterate shepherds singing in Italian if a natural tenor they were born with, and many seem to be, calling high pitch to their dogs, darting fast sideways over the scree far up and over for the fat-bellied flock to fence up. Summertime blows, swifting over your face, lying in young grass, chewing stalks, trying to see the skylark hovering high above, twittering, screeching, and hiding between the spots on your eyes, and dipping face into still moss well to count tadpoles without swallowing their wiggle while sucking in sweet water, the god of the village survival this high up. I tried to follow in footsteps far greater than mine, Prints left in the thin mountain soil big enough to hold lakes, tarns, thin, could not run so fast, climb so high, or ride ponies so hard. Timaur, big house. Penwith, the village, windy head or top. Summit, however you see it. Big house built by grandfather's hand, a miner, collier, hard with a stutter, soft gentle artist, inventor of stories, songs, chairs and stools, spittles of paintings, images come to haunt. No place for old ladies dying, or young strong boys fighting to be free.